It's good to be with you this morning. Praise God. Right in the midst of your season as a church to look at prayer. And this morning, it was supposed to be Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. But I'm not going to go into Hannah, except to mention the verse that you all have it here in the front of the bulletin. She couldn't conceive. She was desperate. And uh, she prayed. And as she prayed, she wept bitterly. Those in the seminar yesterday would have learned tears in the presence of God on your knees. Each tear is a very powerful prayer. And you can look at many instances. Hagar wept regarding the child dying. And you could look even Jesus. Go back. Those of you who want to see how much Jesus cried out. Hebrews 5, 7. I make sure that it's the right verse. He was vehement. The word there is the old translation is vehement with cries. So Jesus didn't just sit in a corner and tears trickled down. He was vehement crying. So yes, tears can be very powerful prayer. Each tear. Well, we're not going to go into that. I keep you in suspense. You have to learn for yourself because all of us are journeying with God, journeying with the Holy Spirit. We have to grow and develop. So I'm not going to go into that. I would ask that CDs be made available. I've spoken to many, many countries, towns, and recording has been made. Five CDs on prayer. It covers what we did yesterday but yesterday we covered more than what was in the city so they are available free just help yourself you take as many as you like can can somebody do that okay they are about 150 at least 120 out there help yourself and the booklet as well you learn there's no notes eh? that's heading the verses and then you make your notes it's a development otherwise how are you going to learn to pray no one can teach you how to pray. This series that is good, it's not going to make you a person who prays better, more, higher, more powerful, with more authority. You have to go on your knees and learn and say, Lord, teach me to pray. Holy Spirit, you teach me to pray. So that's all I'll say about Hannah. Um, get the CDs later. Put it out there. Help yourself. I want to share this morning from God's Word a bit more look, a more comprehensive look at prayer. It's good that you people look at individuals, how they prayed. Maybe next week you can look at Hannah, how she prayed. And then you learn. And as I think our sister mentioned, we've got to do James 1.22. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only. And this is the secret of Christian living and development. Whatever you want to know about the Christian faith, it's not by just listening, yeah, 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 I agree, I agree. And it's all head knowledge, which is dead knowledge, which Paul calls it, knowledge puffs up. That's, this is the type of knowledge that will puff you up. 
You think you know, but actually you don't because you have not done it in your life. Just as people who have heard the gospel, yeah, they understand it, but it has not come down to the heart. See, they know, but they don't know. So you can only learn by doing. That's Jesus' principle, not me. Because the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, say. So it is only by when you pray, you're going to know how to pray. Get it? It's not my teaching method, it's Jesus. Okay? Jesus said, when you pray. So if you want to learn anything spiritual, you've got to do it. No you saying, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. James says, show me your faith. You see? Show me the fruits of your faith, your works. And I'll show you my faith. So all of us, let's look at prayer in the bigger picture now and why there's this series going on here. Let's turn to Matthew 16, verse 18. Famous verse where Peter made the great confession of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, this foundation, what you have declared, the fundamental truth, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now we have to really read the word of God and do it, and take it to heart. Jesus said, I will build, he's going to build, my church, not your church, not your convenience, not for you, but for him. Ah, this church is built for him, not for you, not for me. Because it is his church. I will build my church. This church does not belong to you. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to the pastors, elders, leaders, whoever. It doesn't even belong to the one who gives that 500,000 bucks. A lot of money. Eh? David, look for the check of 500,000 bucks. <laughs> In the offering bag. And there are people who gave a lot of money. You see, I've been involved with planting churches, buying properties, and the members gave. Yesterday I mentioned buying a church of $1 million in 1996. I signed the contract. And members gave. Doctors and, well, I have six doctors, nine doctors there, sorry, six lawyers, nine doctors. It was a big church, a thousand. Nine doctors there, and they gave 12,000 bucks in 1996 a lot of money you can buy a couple of Camrys <laughs> no problem in those days it was only four five thousand dollars a Camry they gave and I want them to understand that church still does not belong to you it belongs to Jesus he's the head we are the body so let no one sitting here, yeah, this is my church, I do what I want, I come when I want. How wrong can you be? This is his house. As I said earlier this service this morning, how do you come to church? Mm -hmm. A young youth group people, huh? tell them. They want to go to party, they want to come back at 1, 2 a.m. in the morning and come to church. Uh, is it time? Huh? 
Couldn't wake up. How do you expect to worship God? Worship starts on Saturday night. Because this is his house. You want to come into the presence of a holy God? Like that. Mm. Oh dear, I got a bad, bad hangover. Oh dear. Stay home. Don't come to corrupt the church. Defile the church of God. So before you come to church, what is your condition inside? How much hatred, anger, bitterness. I'm not going to sit with that guy. I don't like the person. I'll avoid that whatever, whoever. You see? We are to come into his holy presence, cleanse. So before you enter his house, it's not your house, not my house, not David's house or the elder's house. It's his house, his church. You make yourself clean. The Muslims do that. If you ever been to see a mosque, I grew up in Singapore, I know there's so many mosques that we see them washing their, their hands and they're behind their ears symbolically to clean themselves before they enter the mosque. How come Christians don't do that? And we have a holy God, the Holy One of Israel, the righteous one, full of glory, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So next Sunday before you come in, get yourself cleaned up. Mm -hmm. There's a parable where Jesus talked about the wedding and the master came, hey, get him out of the banquet. Mm. So all of us, let's fear God. Because this nation has lost the fear of God. Let not the church lose the fear of God. So before we come in, deal with all your sins. And yesterday we dealt with bringing uh, offering. Jesus said on Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, Matthew. Leave your offering there and go and make right when you have some ought against a brother or a brother against you. If you have not forgiven, why are you praying for forgiveness? Mm. We looked at all that yesterday. If you want to come into the presence of a holy God. Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Okay, so next Sunday, be clean. Come in, and then you'll feel the presence, you'll feel God at work, because sin and God don't go together. When there's sin, God moves away. You see why I'm saying that you've got to come in clean to God's house every week. When there's sin in the camp, he moves away and away. And when there's that much sin, God has already left the church. And God has left many churches in Australia. Let's not fool ourselves to think that we are all right. Because sin and God does not come close to each other. God will move the way. And that's why when Jesus carried the sins of the world on the cross, what happened? God walked away. God left his only begotten son. Never, ever, before time began and time will end, has the Trinity been divided. Father, Son, and Spirit, always one. And at the cross, God moved away, walked away. And that's why you hear the words Jesus said on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you going? Why are you leaving me? It's because of sin. If God can live His only begotten Son because of sin, God can live this church at the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. Any church for that matter. So that's why I emphasize coming to God's house 
clean in his holy presence. And God will be here. Otherwise, no use saying, God, come, God, come, we pray. No use when there's so much sin, bitterness, anger, hatred. No use. We can put on nice facade. Yes. Holy, yes. But inside, what is inside? God looks at us, sees right through us. And yesterday I said, he hears our thoughts. He knows our desires. That's why in Psalms we read five, six times, God will grant you your heart's desires. You see? So there's no hiding with God. Brothers and sisters, brethren here, no hiding with God. Jesus said, I will build my church. What sort of church is he building? Holy unto God. Holy to God. And he's building a holy place. Listen to First uh, Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 verse 5. And you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Is this a spiritual house for God that God loves to come? We are the church. He dwells in the midst of his people. We are his house. So every church is the house of God. He comes in. But if there's sin in the camp, well, and if there's dirt in the house, you see, we like to live in clean houses too, isn't it? We clean the house, we vacuum every time, and, uh, and mop, and whatever we do. Same as God. He wants a holy house. We are to be his house, his dwelling place. You get this also in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. Building a habitation for God. So the church is the habitation of God. This is his house. That's why I say it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. It belongs to Jesus. He said, I will build my church. Because he bought his church at the auction. Oops, sorry. Just to see that you, 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 you are still with me. Eh? It's not biblical at all. It's not in the Bible. Don't, don't start a new church, a new doctrine because of that. Okay, Not that auction. <laughs> but he did. Oh, all right, let's go to First, uh, Peter, uh, First Corinthians chapter 6. I'll read it to you. First Corinthians 6, verse 19-20. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I'm a little bit surprised how Brother Peter asked about Holy Spirit this morning. So each one of you, you are to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you young person want to write a letter, Dear Holy Spirit, where do you post it to? Seal up the envelope. On the, what address do you put? Good one, isn't it? You simply put me. You, that's the address. You are the address of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so go home and write one. Mom, you're the address of the Holy Spirit. Granddad, you're the address of the Holy Spirit. Because he lives, he's, he's to live in us. Is he living in you? Or is he the tenant? You're charging rent. Put him out. When, when the, you know, the tenancy is up. Is he in you in control? He's not a tenant. He's not a visitor. He wants to be Lord. He wants to live in there and do what he wills 
in your life, in you. You have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not controlled by our will and by what society tells us is right and is good, is ethical. Uh-huh. This is the Lordship of Christ we're talking about. The Lordship of Christ in the church. He's to control. Jesus said, I will build my church. So he runs the church, not us. I've been a pastor. I've planted churches. Plus two in New Zealand, one in Canberra, altogether nine. I don't own any of them. He owns them all. He's to run them all. And if I pastor the church, we, our job, what is our job? I told the leaders, your job is not to come and make decisions at a board meeting. Your job is not to come with clever ideas and look at what others have done. And your job is to come and say, I've heard what Jesus is saying, go that way. Aha. Uh -huh. Your job is to find out the owner of the church, what he wants to do, where he wants to go. That's what it means when Jesus said, I will build my church not your church if, it, if the church belongs to us we can decide of course where what is supposed to do where it's supposed to go what format no everything go on your knees so every one of you go on your knees i'm so glad you have this series on prayer and at the prayer seminar i will build my church and when jesus builds a church look at the second part of the verse and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of Hades. In other words, evil powers, the devil himself, Satan, and his spirits, and his hosts, the powers of darkness cannot prevail against the church. Because he is the Lord. He's in control. He owns the church. But if he's not in control, yeah, the gates of hell can overcome the church. That's why we see churches with problems some major problems splits and all sorts of issues and god's power is not there god's presence is not there because there's sin in the camp so we are to let him build he he be in control and he builds his church and then this church will prevail over all powers of darkness and all sorts of problems and issue because Satan will use issues inside to weaken and demoralize or even implode the church from within. He couldn't, he, he couldn't attack from outside. He can't pull the church down from outside. He does it from inside using Christians. So all of us be very wary and careful. The enemy uses us don't say, no, nah, no, nah, I've been a Christian so long. I go to church, I pray, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at Peter, one of the inner circle, the, the three closest to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And Peter told Jesus, wow, in loving concern too. This is human, so human. And we all have human ideas. He told Jesus, no, how can it happen to you? It's so, it's so bad, it's not nice. Don't go to the cross. And Jesus simply said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter became instrument of Satan without even Peter knowing. So all of us have equal and good opportunity for Satan to, to make use of, to discourage, to pull down in the church. So be very careful because we are not perfect. We are not God. 
We are not Jesus, you know. So walk close to him every day. I will build my church. Then, if he builds his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will do the other way. The church will prevail over all powers of darkness. And then, when he builds his church, this church becomes holy. And God wants to come in. So we do our bit. We make sure our life is right. We want to confess our sins and make right. Real repentance, not just lip service, you know. And then, because it affects the presence of God, His power, His anointing, His glory, it affects all, whether God is here or not. You are the deciding factor. So Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So is this the dwelling place for God, the habitation? Peter said, you are living stones being put together into a spiritual house built like this. A royal priesthood, a, a holy priesthood, holy. Remember, keep saying the emphasis of holy, accepted, acceptable to the Lord. So are you a living stone or a dead stone? Uh -huh. What sort of material is being used to build his house? Well, those of you who have just built your own house or about to, what sort of material are you, are you going to use? And actually the government is quite worried about those uh, tall buildings with inferior material, isn't it? Because they get burned down so easily. What sort of material? Well, they should be using living stones, not dead stones. That's what happened. So are you a living stone or a dead stone? Have you grown spiritually? Dead stones do nothing. No, they're dead. Living stones can grow, can move. So what are you? I'm not talking about how long you have been a Christian. We can be a long-term Christian, 30, 40, 50 years, and still be dead stones. We were alive once, living stones, but then became dead stones. So what stone are you? I can't answer for you. You have to look at yourself. Answer for answer. Am I a living stone? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you trying to encourage and bless someone? Are you saying to your friends, can I pray for you now? I just pushed my church these last few weeks. Every person you meet, God bless you. Put the thought of God into everybody's mind. So all of you do the same. Tomorrow, at the checkout, supermarket, wherever. Oh, thank you. God bless you. Mm. Especially when you're buying things, you know. They have to accept it because they're taking your money. <laughs> oh. Before pull out the money, God bless you. Oh, thank you. You, you'll be surprised. They love it. You know? The non-Christians love it because they, they love to be blessed. Recently, I discovered they are more and more open. So I told them, my church, the last few weeks, okay, from now on, don't just say, God bless you. Say, can I pray for you now? And I said, I missed the opportunity. I was kicking myself. I was in oh, Geelong. I forgot that I'm not in Victoria. <laughs> Geelong, those of you who know Melbourne, I was there in the big dub yeah. 
And then we're talking, she said, oh, I'm, we are also worried. We're about to be laid off. We don't know how many are going to be laid off. And I said, yeah, God bless you. And I kicked myself when I left. I said, I should have said, I cannot pray for you now. Ah. So all of you do that. This is being salt and light in society. Okay? Spiritually. Not, not socially, politically, trying to do whatever, change society. No, 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 no. In scripture, we are never taught that. We are taught to be spiritual, changing society spiritually. Okay? So you have to be salt and light. So go home. Say to your neighbors, God bless you. I tell you, they will say thank you. And you too. They often don't know what to say. They're so shocked. And you too. Yes. Can I pray for you now? That will really shut everybody up. When they tell you, oh, my son has a problem and whatever problem, can I pray for you now? And they'll be so shocked. Remember in the 70s and 80s, people slammed the door at your, at your face when you mentioned God and all that. Remember? Those days are gone. The days of evangelism is here. So take opportunity. Can I pray for you now? They'll be, I tell you, the reaction is they'll be so glad. When I encouraged my member, and when this member went to those, oh yeah, you have David Jones in Sydney, big departmental store. And she remembered, pastor said, I must share the gospel, I must share the gospel. And she had already finished the coffee and paying the money. And she paying this man in suit, must be the manager or in charge. And so she plucked up enough courage and said, why aren't you, why haven't you received Jesus Christ as savior? Straight out. I mean, she, she didn't know what to say. <laughs> the first thing came to mind, why haven't you received Jesus as Savior? He was so stunned, you know, the fellow? Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> you see, people today, those of us who live long enough in Australia, Australia has changed. There's a hunger now for spiritual things. And they won't slam the door at your face. I've done, I've done door knocking in bus ministries. We have four buses in Clayton, in Victoria, Melbourne. And people slam the face right at your door, but no longer, because now they haven't heard of the name of Jesus. Kids have no clue what is Sunday school, have no clue what is Jesus. So when you go home from this day, whoever you meet, God bless you, God bless you. One of the members said, Pastor, that's not good enough, no? In a multicultural society, like in a big city in Melbourne, which God, which God? Now she say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Oh, that's good too. All right? So all of you, can you see, if everybody here does it, the whole of Wagga Wagga suddenly says, take notice. That's enough here. Anyway, God doesn't need big numbers. Just a bunch who will do it. Okay? So go back and say, God bless you. And then, can I pray for you now? Don't say, I pray for you at home. No, no, no. Do it now. They need to feel. They need to hear what is prayer. And then that is making you a living stone, not a dead one. I go to church. Yeah, I go to church. Makes no difference in my life. Makes no difference in society. Makes no difference in this town. Makes no difference in the church. That means you're a dead stone. So Jesus wants to build his church. It must be good material. Otherwise, the building is going to collapse. Living stones. There's moving, powerful, witnessing, praying. 
And what is he building with living stones? Let's turn to Mark chapter 11. Important verse here. Mark chapter 11. After he cleansed the temple, after he overthrew the money changers, and then he said in verse 11, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? Thank God you have got Burmese meeting here, isn't it? Burmese. And then you have some Chinese. In fact, one of the leaders was talking to me and trying to see what I can do to help them. Yes, it's for all nations. So Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it into a den of thieves. Now, that's strong words from Jesus. That's why I spoke quite directly a moment ago. How do you come into God's house? It's clean hands and pure hearts. Psalm 24. He who has clean hands and pure hearts, that he may ascend on the holy hill into God's presence and stand in the holy place. That psalm is already telling us, don't come into his house with dirty hands, representing the things we do, our thinking, the active part, the action part, and the clean hearts, our thinking, our motives. You see, I'm only quoting scripture, I'm only expounding, making, making it clear and applying directly, all right? It's not new. I'm not an original preacher. But we need to look at this. Clean hands, pure hearts. Otherwise, we affect the presence of God. Otherwise, we affect how prayers are to be answered or not answered because it's not clean, the house of God. So Jesus say it's to be a house of prayer. And he wanted the temple to be clean. That's why he overthrew the money changers. So that God's presence be there, the power, the glory, and His righteousness, and His holiness. So is this a house of prayer? That's Jesus' intention. And He's building His church to be a house of prayer with living stones. Living stones, are you praying? Are you dead stone? Never prayed for the church, never prayed for anyone except yourself. Give me this, give me this, give me my family, bless me, bless me, protect me, bless. All me, 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 so self-centered. We can pray selfish prayers, you know. Don't let our prayers be selfish. Or man would, me would, but God would. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, I wish you were there yesterday. Because we analyze the Lord's Prayer. First few lines is God's word. Only one line give us this day our daily bread. And the next few lines are praying spiritual things for ourselves, not material things. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Oh, forgive us our trespasses first. Forgive our sins. We need to be clean. You see? Only one line. Bless me, help me. So don't just go for simple, easy message. I'm always blessed. I'm always happy. Health, wealth type of Christian. No. We are to be a holy house where God wants to come and dwell within. We are to be living stones. And we are to be a praying church. So the, I hope the next time I come, should I, have, should I come back to Wagga Wagga? Is this a house of prayer when I come back? And that's what Jesus wants from 
every church, every church to be a house of prayer. You see, when you pray, things will be accomplished. When you come to his presence and ask him, Lord, what do you want to do in your church? So next time you have members meeting, spend half the time asking, Lord, what do you want to do? Not we decide. You decide. You tell us what you want to do. And when he tells us his ways are higher than our ways, his ways look impossible in human ways. Yesterday I shared about how I purchased the church with $10,000, even though it's $1 million on the contract. His ways will make it happen. Human ways, oh no, 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 it cannot be done. It cannot be done. And all accountants are like that. All treasurers are like that. Is your treasurer like that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been an accountant, an accountant for six years. I know. I qualified in Australia. In those days, was AASA. Now it's CPA. Uh, I know. We accountants, we want to count every 20, where's the 20 cents? Huh? If the books must balance, you see? If we use human ways, would, would I buy that property? The church property? No. It's impossible. God's ways. That's why you have to ask Jesus. In fact, we, at that property, if you like to hear some story, we go five minutes over time. Is it all right? I remember going there. This is those of you who know Melbourne City in the southeastern Glen Waverley. The churches in Glen Waverley. I started, planted a church there, three of us. And it grew to a thousand. And I, I, I stood at that place in the car park, the half a dozen of us. And we all prayed. And the church was only 22 months old at the time. We had no money. Okay, we actually have 10,000. Not bad for a church of 22 months old to have balanced cash 10,000. I remember at the car park, I prayed. I, don't, I can't remember what the rest prayed. Everybody prayed. Then I remembered saying, Lord, if this property is for us, put your hand on it, and no one can take it away. But if it's not for us, please take it away. You know, I'm scared, you know. <laughs> 22 months old, there are only about 30-odd people in the church, and we're trying to buy a property of $1 million. And when God showed so clearly, I signed contract. And as I signed the contract, I paused. And I look at my hand. Hello? It's not, it's not nervous, shaking, shivering. I surprised myself. Hey, not shaking hands. Because when he wants to do it, he will build a church. And the 10% came in in one week. Nearly 90,000 came in. Yet we have no fundraising, no appeal, no nothing. God will move. The power of the Holy Spirit moves. Fantastic getting money in one week, you know. I've never done it before or after ever since that time. Nearly 90,000 came in in one week. This is what it means when Jesus said, I will build. When you build, would you dare to sign a contract like that? Wouldn't. But when he builds, he's the infinite God with infinite power and reserve and resources so that I learn today, I'll do anything. If God says, do it, I don't care if there's money, there's resources, anybody wants to support or not, I'm going with you, Lord, let's go. Let's do the impossible. Because God says all things are possible. How many? Two, three times in the scripture, isn't it? Do you have the God of the impossible? 
or you have the God of limitation. Mm -hmm. So Jesus said, I will build my church. And it is to be a house of prayer. Let's see how the house of prayer functions. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Peter was put into prison. And King Herod was going to kill him because King Herod successfully killed James. You see, there were three inner circle of Jesus, Peter, James, and John. He already killed one. Now he's going for the second one in the inner circle of Jesus, Peter. And put Peter into prison. James, uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 2. He killed James. But then the church in Jerusalem is a house of prayer. They all prayed. Verse 5. And constant prayer, earnest prayer, depending on your tr translation, constant prayer, earnest prayer, was being offered to him, for him, by the church. The church was a praying church. And that's what happens. I'm showing you, you be a praying church, things are going to happen. Miracles are going to happen. Expect miracles. But you all have to pray. All right? And what is a praying church? It's not structure, it's not activities, it's not program, strategy. No. The praying church is you. Because you are the church. We say that all the time. The church is not bricks and mortar, right? Okay, we understand that. We are the church. So when Jesus wants a praying church, we have to be praying people. Everyone in, in this church, young or old. In other words, double up your prayer life. You want a praying church, don't go to the leaders or pastor. Hey, preach on prayer. Make this into a praying church. It won't happen. Because you are the church. You make it into a praying church. Not one person or uh, the elders or a few leaders. Everyone who is born again in this church, you are to be a praying person. Because Jesus wants to build his church as a praying church. And then it will prevail against the gates of hell. Otherwise, hell, the evil powers is going to come in and prevail over you, over this church. And so the church was praying constantly. Uh, look at verse 12. Well, take note. Many. Uh -huh. Are you in a prayer meeting? How many goes to a prayer meeting? 20? 30? Uh, he, does, he, he doesn't want to incriminate you. I'm going to have lots of coffee with him and tell him what to do, no? to give you guys a hard time. Because when you are soft, your church is a soft, weak church. When you're strong, your church is a strong church. Why? Because you are the church. And when you are strong, the church in Australia is strong. That's how it works. It's not programmed, as we say, it's not bricks and mortar. So I'm going to ask him to give you guys a hard time. Declare a fast. One whole week, everybody fasting without food. Okay, start with just one meal. Fast and pray. And spend that time we are not eating. Don't watch TV. Go to the room. Shut the door. Read the Bible. Pray for your church. Pray for Wagga Wagga. Pray for Australia. Ah. Well, I think some of you are trying to stop me from having coffee with David now. <laughs> Too dangerous, this guy. So don't be a soft Christian. Soft Christian produces soft church because we are the church. Strong Christians 
comes up with strong churches because we are the church. So here you are. Many were praying. And look at the time that they were praying. Peter was so sound asleep. So sound asleep that uh, in verse 7, the angel couldn't wake him up. Uh, you moms and grandmom, grand, grandparents, your, your grandchild or the son stay with you. Oh, yeah, I can see father smiling there because he can't, can't get the kids up to school on Monday morning. Eh? <laughs> they had a good time on the weekend. Uh, no, no, no. And then from gentle calling, calling, shaking, it's just about... <laughs> you wish you could, you know? Get him out of bed. And that's what the angel did. It's the truth. Because the Greek word there, can you see in verse 7? He struck Peter. I, I am sure David, go and look at the Greek word. He's just about belted him once. Pow! Because Peter won't wake up. And the funny thing is, not funny actually, the question is, will you sleep knowing that tomorrow they're going to hang you or, or firing squad going to shoot you or put you on an electric chair? I think none of us sleep, you know. The night before, pacing up and down, wearing up the carpet. But we're worried. We can't sleep. But Peter slept like a baby so deeply, he couldn't even wake up. An angel, gentle waking until, oh, you what? get up. <laughs> Let's get out of prison. It's so fantastic. When you get the details from God's word, wow, I love this passage because the angel gave him one. <laughs> Got him out of bed. And he was so deep in sleep, so deep, he didn't know where he was. Look at verse 9. He thought he was seeing a vision, dreaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was so sound asleep, he didn't even know where he was. Look at verse 9. He thought he was seeing a vision. He didn't know that he was already on the road, <laughs> outside the prison. Wow. And then he went to this John Mark's house. The one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. John Mark's house. And he knocked at the door. And Rhoda, yeah, you're probably the age of Rhoda, you know. You're about uh, 15, 16. Rhoda might be only 13. Teenager. Teenager, Rhoda. She was at an all-night prayer meeting. Because Peter was so sound asleep. 1, 2, 3 a.m., the angel came... I mean, that's the best time you sleep and that's the time you can't wake up, isn't it? You shake and belted him one. Oh, well, he got up. Who hit me? And then it was so late in the middle of the night, came and Rhoda was still there at the prayer meeting. So bring the young people to prayer meeting. If they fall asleep, that's okay. I have children come to our prayer meeting. Our prayer meeting, two-thirds of the churches always in the prayer meeting. And then look at that. Finally, Peter got into the house. And they thought, you young person, you're a teenager, you don't know what you're talking about, you're crazy, you're nuts or something. I'm paraphrasing, okay? You look at verse, uh, down verse 14 and 15. Yeah, that's right. They think you're crazy, you're beside yourself in a nice way. Scripture always puts it in a nice way. You're beside yourself. Today we'll say, are you crazy, you're nuts or something? He's in prison, what are you talking about? That's a modern conversation. And then verse 17, 
Peter told them, hey, 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 quiet, quiet and down. Because when they saw Peter, jubilation and excitement, you know, shout, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Uh, this is in the middle of the night, 2, 3 a.m. So Peter says, shh, you, we don't want all the neighborhood, especially the guards, the guards to know that I'm out of prison. Shh, hush, hush. And so in verse 17, he said, now you go, a few of you go and tell James and the brethren, Guess what? There's another prayer meeting there. Down there, James and the brethren, they're praying. Tell them to stop. I'm already out of prison. Let them know. And in the end of the verse, verse 17, and he departed and went to another place. Did Peter go to another place to sleep? No, if he wanted to sleep, he just stayed at John Mark's house. That's actually the, where the Pentecost had, took place too, John Mark's house. So why would he go to another place? Simple. He's going to another prayer meeting to tell them, Behold, I'm here. You can stop now. See, in the one verse, we are seeing there are a few prayer meetings going on. And I want to challenge this church and leave it with you guys. Do you want the whole of Wagga Wagga to come to Christ? If your church is a praying church, it begins with a praying church. But not only that, you need to join hands with other churches. Just like here, the the church in Jerusalem, join hands. There's one, John Marks, James down there, and Peter went to the third place. These are combined churches praying at the same time, right through the night. Uh, I'm going to, you, you, you can close your ears for a minute, Just call for an all-night prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. You see, that's why I think some of you keep checking away from David, keep checking away from David. I'm going to tell you what to do. Give you guys a hard time, huh? All night prayer meeting. Nothing strange, you know? Don't think it's weird. Uh, what's going on? This is biblical here. It's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament church. They did it all the time. That's why the church was so powerful. And I asked the questions. You want to take the whole of Wagga Wagga for Christ? No, you can't. Not one church. You need to be like that. Combined with our churches, combined prayer meeting, then you all pray for Wagga Wagga. Given time, you will take Wagga Wagga for Christ. On your knees. Not strategy, not program. Let's have some whatever concert and get all the young bands, all the famous world band. Does nothing because when they leave Wagga, everything goes back to the same. But when you're on your knees, the spirit moves, things will start to happen. And that's going to happen to Shepparton on the way back tomorrow. I'm calling on them, the chairman of the Pastors Association, because they have combined prayer of Greater Shepparton four times already last year. Previous year they started twice. And this year they, I'm going there next month. Oh yeah, next month, this time I'm exactly in Shepparton. Combined prayer. They will take Shepparton. Revival will hit Shepparton. It's a question of when. Do you want to see revival in Wagga? It's up to you. You are the praying church. First, you've got to be a praying church. You've got to be a living stone. And then you've got to go pray a lot, all night. Every one of you, double up your prayer life. If you pray five minutes, make it ten every day. If you pray half hour, make it one hour. Then you're a praying church because you are the church. When you pray, you are the praying church. Not program strategies. Or activities and when you're praying church join hands with others I've spoken to the Church of Christ pastor they 
Hope, hopefully, I'm meeting him this afternoon. And when churches come together, like here in the book of Acts, oh, miracles, easy. For God to do miracles is so easy. It's, it's child's play, chicken feet. Ah, yeah, some, some old expression. I love this old expression. Chicken feed. So you want to see Wagga Wagga come to Christ? Revival hits Wagga. It's up to you. First, be a living stone, be a praying church, and pray lots. Fast and pray. Fasting. Have you done fasting? David knows what to do. And if you are all night prayer meeting, in our church we have had it a couple of times. And the young people, they say, Pastor, let's have another one. I, I love young people who are zealous for spiritual things. So you can and you will if you follow the New Testament church pattern and be a praying church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us to be your children. But we do not just be your children to get a passport to heaven. You have a purpose and plan. You want to build a holy place, a spiritual house, a habitation that you yourself can come. And so, Father, I ask that you touch everyone in this church, that Holy Spirit, you speak to them. Give them the fire, give them the power, the power to go on their knees. Come what may, we'll go on their knees so that this church becomes a praying church. This church knows how to please you with fasting, with prayer. And this church knows then to combine with other churches because not one single church, no denomination, no pastor, no dynamic preacher will be able to bring revival because only you, Jesus, our Lord, you are the one to bring revival. Because if it's one individual or church or denomination, pride comes in. We did it. So, Jesus, you be the Lord of this church. You be the Lord of everyone in this church. And, Father, fill this church with your Holy Spirit so that this becomes a praying church, living stones that you can use to build your kingdom and your church. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. We pray all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.